Hi. We were just wondering if we could borrow your phone. Oh, please, please, where are my manners? Oh. You two must be starving. Room for dessert? There's no uh, online or phone service over here. killer hosts my name is parker your resident horror fanatic i'm caroline scaredy scream queen i'm ian scary movie skeptic and welcome to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie is a horror film podcast where we're on a journey to find our favorite scary movie one at a time. Whether you hate them or love them, join us and discover yours. Hey guys. Hey Parker. What's up? The Uh. sky. (laughs) The pollen levels. Oh, yeah. I actually the other day was wearing a mask in an Uber to my local vaccination site because it was a difficult area to get to. And both of my nostrils were a little clogged up. And there was a moment where I thought I was actually going to die because I was so mucusy wearing my mask in an Uber. And all I wanted to do was pick my nose, but I couldn't take my mask off. So I just, you do the little pinch and rub through your mask. No, you know? that makes it worse. Or you just, just blow it, straight nice into scratch. it. Scratch. Yeah, it's like a like a Kleenex attached <laughs> to your face. Or you just open the door and fall While out. they're driving, <laughs> just stick my head out, yeah. pick it. No, just open the door and flop out. I've had a song stuck in my head all day. You know what it is? Mm. She's a maniac, maniac. No. No, but that's a good song. Um, that's a good song. Uh, no. Lana Del Rey's Honeymoon. And you know oh. what? Instead of singing Honeymoon, you know what I've been singing? What? Honey. Do? <laughs> Our honey. Do. Nailed it. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, actually, I was training with Lana Del Rey herself on how to have a sensual voice. So leave in the reviews if you were just seduced by my singing. I miss hanging out with Lana Del Rey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you heard it here first. That's right. What's your favorite scary movie is covering Honey Do. 
And spoilers, it's happening right now. But not spoilers because Honeydew comes out in theater or on VOD the day after this episode posts. It's been in theaters for about a month. So we are going to do a bit of a non-spoiler section for all of you people who have not had the pledge of seeing Honeydew yet so that you can get our basic review of this movie without having the specifics spoiled. You can decide if you want to watch it or not. You can go watch it or not and then listen to our spoilerific review of Honeydew. So buckle up. Hold on to your butts, because we're about to rock and roll. I'm squeezing it. Squeezing my butt. <laughs> He's clenched. Clenched. Honeydew, is that like um, like the green ones? Yeah. Uh, like when you get yeah. melon? Like a it's honeydew the, melon? Yeah, it's the green one. I okay. always call those the cantaloupe. No. What? No, cantaloupe is orange. The orange. I know, but I always used to get them confused. Which one's muskmelon? Muskmelon? Huh. I've never heard of that. Google you don't like it. honeydew? It. I like the green or the orange one, not the green one. Anyone that likes That's green cantaloupe. melon. Cantaloupe yeah. is the orange. But yeah, the green one, I always thought the yeah. green one was like the not ripe cantaloupe. Like I always thought it just wasn't good yet. No, they're different. It's actually a little sweeter um, to me. Debatable. I feel hmm. like people put them on a fruit platter and it's always the thing that it's just like cauliflower. It's the f- cauliflower of fruit. Okay, well, cauliflower like is delicious. But uh, yeah, honeydew, I don't get it. And also, I I don't know. Maybe I w- didn't have my glasses on. Psych, I have twenty twenty vision. But I didn't see a single honeydew in this movie. Did you? No. No. Okay, well, I said we wouldn't do spoilers, so I hope that didn't upset anyone. But no Honeydew from what I can tell in this movie, Honeydew. But Honeydew was released, like I said, tomorrow. So in the year 2021, and it was written and directed by Devereaux Milburn. And this is Devereaux Milburn's feature debut. So let's have a round of applause for Devereaux Milburn. If I'm saying that correctly, I hope I am. And if I'm not, I apologize. Milburn says he developed the idea after his friend Dan Kennedy, a cinematographer, approached him about creating a horror film. So Kennedy did the cinematography and Milburn did the editing for this movie, which I think really makes it feel like an auteur experience. Like I felt like there was vision in this movie and I think that's always fun to see in a movie. Like, very hands-on experience, Honeydew. Yeah, definitely handsy. <laughs> we have Malin Barr as Riley. Uh, she is in an interesting-looking upcoming horror film called The Beta Test. Cool name. Mm. Um, and some New York City theater. Um, Sawyer Spielberg. Uh-huh. Plays the role of Sam. You guessed it. Son of Steven. Mm. That's cool. Interesting. Um, he had a small role in The Post in 2017 and was a production assistant on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So 
pretty exciting. He's carving a path away from his father's work. Way to go. Uh, We also have Barbara Kingsley in the role of Karen. And I actually noticed this during the movie, but she is a theater actress and I could tell. (laughs) I could. You you know, she has that. Um, I was getting mad vibes like Hansel and Gretel, the Mm. woman who was in that. Gretel and Hansel. Gretel and Hansel. There you go. And that woman was also mm. a Broadway actress. There. So, yeah. And I, I thought the same thing when she said, she said, Ulysses. I thought, oh my God, take me to the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just projecting for that last person in the audience, you mm-hmm. know? Anyways, uh, Barbara, Barb, uh, was on Broadway in August, Osage County. And lots of other small roles like The Flight Attendant and in Jessica Jones. Mm. Love Jessica Jones. The Flight Attendant, that was a fun show. Here's a little press release summary. Quote, Honeydew tells the story of a young couple played by Spielberg and Barr who are forced to seek shelter in the home of an aging farmer, Kingsley and her peculiar son when they suddenly begin having strange cravings and hallucinations taking them down a rabbit hole of the bazaar hmm. the rotten tomatoes as of april 9th uh the critic score is 74 percent the audience score is 90 <laughs> Wow. That might be a record low. Oh, I doubt it. I bet we've seen some some rock bottom scores. But but I'm not saying anything. We'll discuss. We'll discuss. The critics' consensus is, quote, atmospheric horror built on layers of creeping dread. Honeydew finds fresh frights in its familiar setup and portends. Great things for writer, director, Devereaux Milburn. Mmm. Interesting. Now, like I said, we're going to start spoiler free so that you, listener, can get an idea of whether or not you want to go watch Honeydew. So we're going to do two things. The first thing I want to do is I want to go around the table and let's all say our favorite thing about Honeydew and our... Uh, something Honeydew could work on. Uh, and I will take the plunge to start. So my thoughts on Honeydew, first of all, very cool sound score. There is like a mm. lot of music and sound effects. They're using popular songs like uh, Oh Holy Night and the National Anthem. And they're kind of infusing those with... Se- the national that's probably the most popular song in America <laughs> and they're infusing Some it Some would call it pop. <laughs> and they're infusing it with like synth scores and like strange like poppy sound effects. You know what I'm, I'm talking about? Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very cool and had a lot of uh shouldered bore a lot of the weight 
of building some of the tension, uh, having some of the jarring um, energy of some of the scares. I thought the sound score was extremely cool. Now, something I didn't like about this movie is, you know, ooh. <laughs> I know, I'm Emotional. getting a little upset. <laughs> um, the, the, a feeling that I do not like is ending a movie and thinking like, well, I guess I'm stupid. Because <laughs> this movie ended and I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> and the probably the least fun thing for me to do is to then go to the internet and type in Honeydew Explained. And since it's such a new movie, none of those are out yet. So I was just like, I don't well, get have an it. opportunity um, to write it. Yeah, I think I have some more detailed thoughts on one, what things could mean, and two, um, more on what they don't. But um, yeah, I think if you are not a fan of kind of a a frustrating or a purpose purposefully um, like surreal frustration driven thing, then I think that maybe Honeydew might be your new enemy. Mm. What do you guys think? I also loved the sound score slash music. Um, but just to make it a little bit different than Parker's answer, <laughs> I think that they did a really good job in interweaving, but not necessarily like laying the background story out on the table. I forget the term. What it Scanders, yes, there's some sort of um, it's called sortico, some sort of toxin within the wheat that has poisoned a bunch of cattle and then people who eat the cattle and bake the bread who didn't get rid of the sortico. Yeah, so I think they did a really good job explaining sortico. There was like that brief, um, dialogue. She's watching the videos, they actually do a really good job of. Um, you know, like showing the pages that she's reading and like the diagrams and that kind of stuff where it wasn't like fully just like, oh, this old lady's going to tell you how it happened. Mm-hmm. But you get the context clues in a nice way. So I enjoyed that. Also, roll the tapes because a few episodes ago, I don't remember which one it was, but I had read an article about this exact thing. Sortico, and I mentioned it on the podcast because people were like going crazy. Uh, or, Art. I don't remember what context I mentioned it, but I had read an article that was circulating social media about this phenomenon that happened wow. in the New England area. Yeah, and I mentioned it. So, any true fans out there, find the episode yeah, and tell I, me what it was. Prophetic. First one to find that wins. I. I remember saying it because I read this whole thing about it and I thought it was fascinating. Well, and thank you because I remember thinking, oh, I should look up if this is real. And then I forgot. So if it's wrong, then everybody, here's Caroline's address and you can hunt her down. (laughs) It was real. I read an article about this and then the movie started and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Anyways, things I did not like. There were like a lot of effects that were used visually 
Um, like obviously like the split screen thing, that was like a theme, which didn't bother me as much, but there were like little things where like the screen would go blurry. And I think that they were trying to like emulate like people mm. hallucinating, but there yeah. were also there like, were some, weird, like, like quick jumps. zooms and yeah. time speeding up. There was one very specific scene where the camera panned, but you could tell that the, the, they did not actually pan the camera, that it was an effect. Yeah. And there were also times where, like, it would... It it seemed to be like they were trying to get the point across that, like, time has passed or, like, a word before time or, like, something like that. But it wasn't consistent enough for it to really develop as a theme visually. Mm. So... I think that... I don't know. I, I mean, it, it was just an artistic choice, but I, it didn't like hurt or benefit the film in any way. Yeah. So I, th- I think like the m- the mix of those effects was like you saying it wasn't enough to develop a theme. I think in a way it actually was thematic in its choice for being various. Oh. It it could have been, but I didn't s- like it wasn't enough to actually make it effective. A little tension it in the studio. It was just studio. like oh just like oh the screen is blurry for a second that's the only time we're ever gonna do that well parker i have a hot take for you if you want a little more tension oh let's hear it my i sizzling i can feel it i have a lot of thoughts here but first i'll open with this i think almost the exact opposite on everything you just said (gasps) so ow that was a hot when like to me i one of the things i didn't enjoy the most didn't enjoy the most was actually the way they educated us on the disease mm. or the um whatever it's called sortico yeah sortico. i think sortico. it's some sort of like talk or, some, or something for some reason and maybe it's just because you know i have a lower iq than caroline <laughs> i didn't actually pick it up as as quickly or as thoroughly as i felt like i should when they were explaining it and i felt like they were very obvious about explaining it, but I still didn't get it. Mm. And so that might just me be, but. Um, <laughs> no, no, I get what you're camera. saying, because kind of on the opposite of my my um, loving the sound score, I had a little bit of trouble with like some of the like like loudness balance like i couldn't always hear what that little documentary was saying and i couldn't always hear what the old lady right. was saying and so i remember i thinking, missed a lot of karen's dialogue yeah i remember thinking during that little documentary like damn i bet this is important because i don't think they'd probably start the movie with something not important right but um i i, I couldn't really hear thing. yeah also side note I don't know what you all think, but I feel like in the first like couple minutes, I I was clearly like, oh, this has to be an East Coast scary movie, like uh, from a production standpoint. Like, do you know what I'm assuming it was produced on the East Coast? Um, I know like, that Devro Milburn it uh, lives in New York, and I know that these people lived in New York, and um, but yeah. I don't know what you mean. Explain. I feel like there's a very clear difference between at least West Coast and East Coast film, but also transcends into scary movies. Like, I feel like the actors and actresses, the 
the aesthetic of the thing, like the different portions of the film, like the transitions and the like. Do you I mean like, like a little more theatrical acting, a little more artsy style? Yeah, yeah. It was like I don't know how to put it in words, but it just to me it didn't feel as indie as you know maybe I thought it would be hmm. but because it, it felt like it was very well done but it it did feel feel very intellectual and very like um I don't know not rough but like uh refined but like raw with a rawness that you get from what I would like what I experience as like New York and East Coast like especially Northeast like film versus like LA stuff or like stuff in the West Coast that was quite beautiful Ian it might uh start getting some of our listeners uh angry but no I thought that was lovely refined but raw I like that I I really there's it's very interesting film to me hmm well Let's go ahead, and if you have not seen Honeydew and you don't want it spoiled, I would recommend you turn off this podcast right now and set it aside. Pause, not stop, so that later you can play. And um, we'll be you can come back, and we'll be ready with some hot spoilers. So let's do that in three, two, one. The daughter has no legs! Yes! <laughs> Um, okay, so my first thought on this movie, which is something we actually could have said in the non-spoilery part because it happens in the first two seconds, but so obviously the theme, some of the theme of the movie is set up with this, um, I don't know if it's all scripture, but definitely scripture in there about body is a temple, this daughter is saying these things. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, who you have received from God. You, you are not your own. You were bought, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Did actually, um, her voice, you know that, um, that vine, the guy that says, uh, when life gives you lemons, that guy. (laughs) <laughs> That's Wait, that I didn't. I didn't realize that was the daughter speaking. I think it was because she was like shoveling food into her mouth while she's saying this body is a temple monologue. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So that kind of sets up the theme, and that's another one of the things I did like about Honeydew is this idea of like. Like, what are you putting into your body? Your body is a temple. It needs to be protected. Obviously, um, what's her name? Riley is, like, really into that and kind of policing her boyfriend, Sam, on, like, what he should and shouldn't be eating because, of course, they're having negative health effects on him. And then on kind of the flip side, Karen and company are all about indulgence and they're eating these like really fat meats and cakes and of course people as well and so then that gets into the interesting territory we've discussed in cannibal films about you know eating yourself and 
consuming uh, consuming humanity. And what's frustrating to me is that I don't see a connection in Honeydew for what any of that means. I think it's all interesting, but Honeydew, I think, leaves you a little bit of blue balls. Do we know for a fact they're eating humans? Yeah. She takes a chunk out of his butt and then fries it up in front of the daughter and feeds it to her. Yeah. What was his name? Was his name Goonie? Yeah. So they're they're yeah. basically like Goonie is like people. her cattle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she said they had to get rid of the cattle. So Goonie is the people are their new cattle. Like I said, I did feel a little frustrated with it ended because I didn't feel like I really got what had happened. And it's this like whole trippy. The thing that's frustrating to me also about like the synopsis is that it says like um, in the summary that Ian read, it says when they suddenly begin having strange cravings and hallucinations, taking them down a rabbit hole of the bizarre. And I just don't think any of that was clear. These are not strange cravings because they're eating cupcakes and corn and what they think is steak that I assume is people. Um, Those are normal things to eat. And then to me, it just like wasn't very clear. Like I remember thinking like, oh, I bet maybe there's some sortico in the bread she's baking and maybe it's also in the meat as well. But then I never really felt like they've been drugged. Like, I don't know. I'm just not quite sure what happened. That whole Alice in Wonderland thing didn't show you that they were drugged no it did but the thing is is like but it was all real in the end no it wasn't they didn't hallucinate any yes it was because then they woke up and they were also wrapped up and no 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 no. before that when he like passes out when he's eating in the middle of the night on the table and he's like literally in that the like, Popeye thing, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and then the there it's like well, yeah. a fever dream with all of the cartoon storylines and him. That was a dream in the barn. But like that also was my least favorite part of the movie. I thought that was not good. Um, that felt low budget. <laughs> but I just like I don't know. I felt like nothing was meaningful enough. You know, it was just like, here's a couple of ideas and let's move on. I don't know. I think I would challenge that, that it was pieced together well, mm-hmm. especially with the, you know, the cartoons playing. There's like little things that you pick up on that they're like mirroring. And I think yeah. it's because they're in this, they're all in this mental state and they're just like, watching that constantly but like it shows betty boop at the end um you know taking the cake and then like eating a little bit of the icing like exactly the way that karen had done with the cupcakes in the fridge i didn't pick that up and then also uh like betty boop is like kissing another character on the cartoon and then it's like shortly after that it's that weird scene where she's like making her daughter have sex with sam and that whole thing I but did not pick up those scenes there's a there's a good amount of correlation between the frames in the cartoons that they mm-hmm. chose to show with what's happening yeah with the characters. and i did like the cartoons did you guys see 
the Netflix film I'm Thinking of Ending Things last year. No. No. So I think that this movie is like a very exact child. Like, and it's tough because obviously Deborah Milburn did not see I'm Thinking of Ending Things before he made this movie. So that is just a reference. But then that and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, obviously that was a huge inspiration for this movie. Not only does it have like a similar grit to it, or as Ian said, rawness, but also, and, and not just cannibalism either, but the emphasis on family and lineage and the um, importance of like the kitchen and the dinner table. I think that there are some really strong correlations there and it um up oh, do i see a hand in the classroom ian <laughs> what's interesting you saying that i'm gonna throw a wrench into our listenership like you you draw lines between texas chainsaw and this movie mm-hmm. but not to spoil the ending why would i spoil it, be, spoil it. why would i enjoy this movie over Texas Chainsaw. What is the nuance? You get offended by the quality of Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre. Well, it's not the it's not the the No, cuz I don't like the newer Texas Chainsaws either. Yeah, cuz they're replicating similar quality. Oh, calm down, calm down. This isn't a Texas Chainsaw episode. No, it's the references and the themes that are the same. It's not that I'm saying this is the same as Texas Chainsaw. In fact, I think the vibes are somewhat different. Um, It's that I think that the films, uh, this, this film is definitely having an interplay with the themes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like I said, a family and then kind of eating the world. Consumerism, of course, cannibalism. Consumerism, eating, who are you willing to step on to get to the, to what you want? So like she wants, Karen wants her family, and so she's willing to eat all these people that come through so that she can have the family that she wants. And I think that's a very Texas Chainsaw thing. Um, but again, like I don't get, so... The movie ends, of course, with the daughter's head on some sort of like, was that like a, it looked like a teddy bear to me. Um, And then like Barbie dolls, she like (laughs) makes them have sex. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm not quite sure because it's like, so why is she eating them if she's then wanting to use their their fluids for procreation like i don't know i'm a little confused what do you guys think i that really threw me off i don't know and then like if they were burying the daughter at the beginning of the movie but she wasn't dead then why'd they have a whole funeral maybe they weren't burying the daughter who would they have been burying then? I don't think we see any other characters. Some Someone who ran out of meat. I don't know. Someone <laughs> else. Yeah. I think just there's so... And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there are just so many questions that go unanswered. But to me, just in ways that aren't like, ooh, I have food for thought, but more like, what? Um that 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 frustrates me a little bit. Yeah, also the 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 
dad, Euless. What? Who? Does not. Euless. What's Euless? his name? Euless. Euless. E U. Yeah. He doesn't seem as out of it as the rest of everyone. Yeah. Like Karen has clearly been affected by this. The daughter is like dead, completely brain dead. <laughs> like he just seems like a good old boy who listens to his wife. Yeah. But also I feel like she has very clear moments. And Karen. so it always made me wonder like, yeah, is she acting crazy just to act crazy or is it in and out because she has very clear moments too i think it like she's like high yeah maybe i found karen absolutely hilarious i love every every second she was on screen i was like oh give me another line give me another one that was so fun um that first shot of her through the screen when she's just smiling at Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she just. Yeah. Hi, Sam. <laughs> she <laughs> is just so funny. And if you want to talk about an actor chewing up their material, Karen, she is eating it. She is like, oh, you want a performance? I'll give you a performance, baby. Yeah, she nailed that role. Yeah, I thought she was hilarious. Um, Something I do really like about Honeydew is how uh, it's vicious. Like, this is an upsetting, depressing, disturbing movie. This is a movie that's not interested in making us feel happy as viewers or comfortable as viewers. I think that's always really exciting in horror. I think uh, when movies go too far out of their way to be like, well, we don't want people to leave the theater and tell their friends like, oh, don't go see that. That's a bummer. You know, I, that's, that's annoying. So it's nice that this movie was like, you know what? This movie's a bummer and we're not going to try and hide it. If we're just going to be weird and a bummer. And so kudos, Honeydew, for uh, doing it as hard as it does it. Yeah. Yeah. But on the flip side, a little bit weird for the sake of being weird. I like some of the split screen stuff because sometimes necessary. It's showing us visual parallels that are interesting. Sometimes it's doing it to be cool. And uh, there are a few things like that throughout the movie where it's like, is this necessary? I feel like like at the beginning... I enjoyed it, uh, but, like, I felt like there were some pacing and, like, Wes Anderson inspirations Mm -hmm. on some of the scenes and also the narratives at the beginning. And I was, like, totally here for where I thought it was going in the first 10 minutes with the how the script and the narration was going with Mm -hmm. the, the characters. But then I feel like it transitioned out of, like, this quirky, like, creative like um back and forth into like a traditional like um like uh plot or like i don't know what you'd say script no yeah i agree with you it was predictable yeah there was a 
as soon as Riley goes quote unquote missing, that was a turning point for me. Like, actually, pe- post Alice in Wonderland dream sequence, <laughs> and maybe that's on purpose. I think I, I think I would agree there. I think like I I was with it, vibing with it up until that point, and then once they kind of just went into the spiral of like oh we're in a weird spot and they're gonna eat us like I it didn't keep up that creativity i think it was even earlier for me i think as soon as i realized like oh they're not getting back out of this house for the rest of the movie i think that's when i was kind of like oh i even thought at one point this was going to be a monster movie there are some like zooming shots through the forest and i was like oh something's out there um oh, yeah but it's it, it became something where as soon as they got to the house, I was like, oh, that cra- that lady's crazy. And um, as soon as they started showing, like, the meat, the raw meat, I was like, oh, I bet she, that's people. So I just thought that it was it was a little too much. Um, I could I could predict. And I've said on this podcast, I'm a bad predictor. I'm bad at guessing. Uh, twists always shock me. But um, this one, I was just kind of like, oh, I know where we're headed. And then it did. And also, I thought the movie was going to be gorier. I thought it was going to be violent and gross. And then it wasn't. And I wish it... I think it would have been... If it's going to be this weird, I think seeing a little bit more... It doesn't even have to be gory or gross. But seeing just things that are more grotesque, I think would have been more unsettling. It was almost like the movie felt a little too clean and safe. And then at the end, it was like, oh, okay, it's sad, I guess. Yeah, I the only like real gore is the blood coming from the eyes there's a scene in the weird popeye dream sequence where his stomach is kind of ripped open oh his stomach but it doesn't that wasn't even bad doesn't look like his stomach is actually ripped open (laughs) i will say i did have a jump scare when the old lady attacked him from behind i jumped yeah she moved very quick is very kind of what's up with the lemons when life gives you lemons (laughs) (laughs) like are they doing it with salt are they doing tequila shots she also dips the meat in like lemonade before giving it to the daughter well i wonder if because uh citrus is acidic if maybe that's kind of like they're all high on the sortico and that's kind of their jolt of reality. Like, please let me out of this. I'm going to eat so many lemons that I'm I'm sane. I don't know. That's just a thought. Enjoy my incomplete thought. Do people do that? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Like, of all the things they're eating, like they're eating a lot of wheat and meat and lemons are the only thing off the top of my head I can think of that maybe couldn't have Sortico in them. Hmm. That's what I thought. I figured it was like their, yeah, their way of not consuming Sortico. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know if I'll ever look at a plate of meat and potatoes the same. Hmm. I don't know if I'll ever look at a cute old grandma the same way because I'll be wishing the whole time that she would be like, uh, oh, what does she say that's so funny? Oh, you're a couple of sticks. (laughs) Yeah, my mom says that all the time to me. 
Does she? I'd never heard that before, and I thought, sticks? <laughs> I could snap you like a chicken. <laughs> oh, all right. Do chickens you, you snapping. Do you guys have any last thoughts about the movie before we do our wrap-up questions? I just have, like, lingering questions about, like, little things that they introduced that I thought would have bigger meanings, but they didn't. Yeah. Like... Like the radiator and it being hot in there. I don't know. Yeah. That seemed like a thing and then it was not. Well, I think there's only one murder in this movie if I'm remembering correctly. So, what would you say is your most memorable moment from Honey Dew? I think just because it definitely, definitely made me jump is when the lady um, puts the shot or pulls the meat out of the guy's butt from behind or whatever she did. Pulls the meat out of his butt. In the barn. No, she's like, what the shot is she for? tranquilizes him. Yeah, she's barn. tranquilizing him. Or tranquilizes him. That was made me jump. <laughs> so I would memorize that. Meat in the butt? Hot. Well... Why did they have oxygen then? If I thought, no, those were drugs. They were sedating them with Uh, the um. Yeah, I don't know what that would. Anesthetic almost. Yeah, like uh, maybe a little laughing gas or something. Hmm. Ah. That's why they took them off, and they were like. (gasps) Um, I think when uh, what's the guy's name that has the goofy name? Goonie. What's his name? Eulis. Goonie. Goonie is carrying (laughs) when Goonie is carrying Riley out and then gets stuck in the trap and then Karen comes along and is like I don't know loving even I don't weird relationship there and then I realize what she's been carrying around that whole time is the thing that they used to kill cows with yeah a little like air gun thing that was a moment, and I also, that, I mean, this whole movie did, but that moment in particularly took, in particular, took me to Texas Chainsaw when they go through that big description at the beginning about how they kill the cows. Mm, head cheese. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think same thing, when she is so like distraught that she has to kill Goonie, but also like she's evil. So of course she's going to do it. Um, It's another thing where it's, I do like these things where this like demented idea of family and that she's creating her own little family, but ultimately she's, she's number one. She doesn't care about her family. Um, A matriarch. Of course. I am going to pick for my most memorable murder moment. Excuse me. Um, Caroline, I like what you were talking about with him carrying Riley. I thought that was very gorgeous. But I think I'm going to go a little bit sooner to when she is cooking them dinner. And not even a specific moment. I just think her little mannerisms are so funny. (laughs) Like how she's not really saying anything, but Riley's like, oh, I'm a vegan. And she just kind of shovels around and then she just turns around with like two little stalks of corn. And Riley's like, that'll work. And she's like, ah, 
you know, like just going around the kitchen. So I think that that would be it for me on a scary scale. One to five. How would you rate our honey do? I'd give it a three and a half. Oh, wow. You thought you were scared? I think it's creepy and I like that kind of like suspenseful creepiness. Mm. I enjoyed it. I would give it a two and a half. Mm. I'll give it uh, just a flat two. I think it's disturbing. I think it's gross. I think it's gritty and grimy. Um, but not particularly scary, IMO. Um, so then I'm feeling a little upset on the podcast. Would you give Honeydew a smash or a slash? I will be giving Honeydew a smash. <gasps> I think there's a lot of opportunity for improvement with this movie. It is far from perfect, and the plot is also needs some reworking. But um, overall, aesthetically, uh, first of all, we didn't even talk about the coloring in this freaking movie. Go for it. Beautiful. Um, just like the contrast and the depth of the colors I just felt were perfectly executed. But um, it's that... Like I said, that New York style film that I just can't get enough of, you know, the, you know, you're in your mid teens and you're kind of, you know, going through that emo phase and you're, you're like moody and, and you like think up these cool ideas and then you go to film school. That is what you're getting here. Yes. I just am here for it. I wish, I wish the first 10 minutes was the entire movie. And then it would be a upset, but um, for now it's just a smash. Yes, I would call this a very A24 aesthetic movie. And I know that you're a fan of those bad boys like uh, Midsummer and Hereditary. Yeah. It's, they want to be A24. They're not there, but. They're um, in training. And yes, uh, Devereaux Milburn, when they began conceptualizing this film, uh, was at NYU, so you're right on the money. Oh, I know I am. <laughs> Caroline? Um, I am taking this honeydew, raising it above my head, and smashing it on the ground. It's a smash. Wow. Okay, because I was like, that's an interesting uh, way of describing that, because that sounds negative, but positive. But if it were a slash, I would say Fruit Ninja Knife mm. slash. Well, you know this what? This is a smash. Just pass that samurai sword to me because it's a slash for me. <laughs> I, um, Sad. You know, I think that what you said earlier about how you have some lingering questions, I think there are good lingering questions and there are bad lingering questions. And I just, uh, I have bad lingering questions. More in the style of Godzilla versus Kong, where I'm like, but I just don't get it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, 
not not like ooh how fun i have questions and if you want to hear us discuss godzilla versus kong you can of course head over to our patreon at patreon.com slash scary movie pod how can you put this movie in the same bucket as godzilla versus I I kong i know that movie's godzilla. far superior <laughs> no my god <laughs> All right, but we don't want to spoil. We don't want to spoil for those who want to go over to Patreon. All right, so on that note, you ladies, what's your favorite scary movie? I'm sticking with Wrong Turn 2021. Mm. And I, like I said, first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, shit, Upset City. But uh, unfortunately, it is not going to upset. I'm going to stick with Black Swan. Hmm. And I'm going to stick with The Strangers Pray at Night, which we covered on our Patreon. So, speaking of Patreon, we will not be back next Monday, April 19th. Instead, if you want to hear more what's your favorite scary movie, you're going to have to head over to patreon.com slash scary movie pod because on april 23rd that is a week from friday we will be covering the zombie classic dawn of the dead so that next month when Zack snyder's new i believe it's called army of the dead comes out we will be ready to rumble so you don't want to miss that out because we will not be returning to your main feed ear holes until Monday, April 26th, when Julianne and I discuss the 90s uh, or 2000s, I don't know, haven't done the research yet, slashic urban legend. So you won't want to miss that, and you won't want to miss me, Caroline, and Ian talking about Dawn of the Dead. Until then, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. This comes to us fl- from Blunkinator Raider. Blunkinator. <laughs> who said, five stars, awesome. Parker makes me laugh. Ian is so serious. And Caroline is interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I like being serious more or that she, he, she, they nailed Caroline as interesting. With what the emoji of a monocle next to it. Well, <laughs> fine. I'll just leave the podcast to <laughs> you and Parker then. Is that, is that interesting, a.k.a. bulldozes everyone else on the podcast? Oh, my God. No, no, no. But I do like they that we have... They should really say... Parker makes me laugh. Ian is so serious. And you guys need to cut Caroline a break. <laughs> oh, poor Caroline. But Blunkinator Raider also says, Blunkinator! I still love this. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I would recommend this to anyone and everyone. Thank you so much, Blunkinator Raider. I'm going to take interesting as a compliment. Thank so you, Blunkinator. We've got funny, serious, and... Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I'm just saying the way that you guys hate on me, if this were a workplace and <laughs> you were hating on a woman, it would not fly. Oh, shut up. Okay. Equal pay, mofos. 
This is not a workplace. Um, am I getting a little um, emotional over there, Caroline? <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are you calling her emotional? Because, because I'm a, a woman. woman. A woman. <laughs> All right. Well, from us gals to you, listener, it has been such a pleasure discussing Honeydew. Of course, you can contact what's your favorite scary movie on facebook instagram or twitter at scary movie pod and tell us if you loved honeydew so make sure you do that again make sure you hit us up at patreon.com slash scary movie pod because you're not going to want to miss this dawn of the dead episode i think you're going to be the dead one because you're going to be have some having so much fun that you'll be dead ian question? only 19 19- only 19 out of 100 people agree with Caroline and I about this movie. Make sure you speak up and let us know if you're one of those. Oh, the 19%. Wow. I was like, huh, where are you getting that statistic? We are the 19%. <laughs> I ran out. I surveyed 100 people, and they all said, but. All jokes aside, my name is Parker Heron. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, not face. Don't find me on Facebook, you creep. You can find me on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and Letterboxd at Parker Del Rey. <laughs> my name is Caroline. You can find me on Instagram at Carol Manifesto. And my name is Ian. You can you can find me on Twitter. I talk to myself on there. And if you want to join that conversation, yeah. go ahead. What's your handle? At Ian Hoyt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and of course, you can do all the things I said earlier about the pod, and you can also find our website with our calendar at scarymoviepod.com. And of course, you can send us any requests or feedback at scarymoviepod at gmail.com. And until next time, I bid you adieu. Uh, honey, adieu. do. <laughs> ah, uh, honey, honey, adieu. adieu.